This is Brian Pax, Scuzz from Return of the Living Dead, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Matt Jen, Professor Wagstaff. Hey, good to be with you again. We're bringing you another installment of the Monster Mash. You know the format. You know how it works. But for those of you out there in Radio Land who don't, we have each picked a movie. Yep. And we each watch each other's movies so that we... Um, you know, it, it, it keeps things fresh. It, it gives us an opportunity to talk about things that wouldn't fit into other framework. So, that being said, Mad Chan, what movie did you pick this evening? The movie that I picked? Yep. I picked Near Dark. Near Dark. Very good. Professor, what did you pick? The Prowler. The Prowler. And I picked Terror Train, which is what we're going to lead off with. Yeah? Yeah. All right, Mad Chan, we'll start us off with some Terror Train. Terror Train, 1980. Director Roger, which I don't even know if this name is real. His last name is Spot is Wood. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's Spot is Wood. Anyway, and then writer TJ, <laughs> T.Y. Drake, and Daniel Grodnick. I don't think these are real names. Stage names. All stage names. <laughs> it's starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Ben Johnson, Hart Bochner, Vanity, one of my 80s crushes, and Mr. <laughs> David Copperfield. David Copperfield. I said that. As the magician. As the magician. Isn't that, isn't that kind of typecast? Ken, the magician. Ken, the magician. I would like to point something out. This was the only movie ever in which David Copperfield played a role. Every other movie, he plays himself when he's a magician. Interesting. This is the only movie he ever played a role in. Interesting. Do either of you know where his career was at at that point? Well, it's it 1980, so I'm assuming like he'd had a few things. I, don't, I, 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 I was just curious. There's if, that famous book about him. Oh man! <laughs> yes, I stand corrected, Charles Dickens. Um, but well, I was that's, just curious. That's if not about the, that's not about the guy. I know, he, right? If he would have, if audiences would have been interested in him, or if they would have even known oh, who he was, why, why he was type, why yeah, he was like cast in the he first was place. Just, you know, at the right spot at the right time as an up and coming magician or already established. Uh, We'd like to hear what you guys think about that. Seriously, because I don't know. Yeah, and you day. chose this movie. I chose this movie. Um, Go ahead I'm with why. Big fan. Uh, really enjoy it. I think it's a pretty lesser known slasher for a lot of people. Um, and I'm trying to remember how I even found out about it. Did one of you two tell me about it? I think you were in Muncie when you found out about it in well, college. Did my, you? My did, illustrious event to go buy it. Well, yes. no, but did I introduce you to it or did you introduce me to it? Oh, I knew about it since I was a kid. Okay. Yeah, okay. I have backstory on that. Okay. Because so. I watched it with Todd when I was young. We're, we're not young, but I, mean, yeah. I watched it with Todd years ago. So. Yeah, because I think I had gotten it from like YouTube or something like that. Not YouTube. Yeah, because our. Well, <laughs> I'd gotten it from YouTube. My YouTube. freshman year at school when I was living with you is when. I th- isn't that when it came out? Isn't that when I went to go buy it at Best no, Buy? That or happened, was that later? I think that happened later, mm-hmm. which I... We're, we're, <laughs> please share this story with our, uh, I just, our folks. I was quite excited for it to finally come out. Backstory, I'll just get this out of the way real quick. This was one of my earliest obsessions with a slasher movie because it was in a book called The Encyclopedia of Horror. It had Jack Nicholson on the cover. A lot of people bought it back mm-hmm. The uh, mid '80s, and it had a picture in there from this movie um, with the I don't know 
what you call it, like the old man mask holding the axe. Anyways, that fascinated me. And I never saw it. It was just never, I was never at the right place at the right time. And as the years went by, it was always something I wanted to see. Anyways, finally coming out on DVD, pumped, was worried I, that they were going to sell out at Best Buy. <laughs> Silly me. You thought they were going to sell out of territory? Yeah. Like there's a bunch of guys just like yeah, you out well, there waiting? Yeah, I just figured, you know, like <laughs> yeah, there's going to be all oh, kinds territory. of horror nuts coming to buy them. I got you. Um, got you. Especially... You know, there with the DVDs as those releases came out, you might you it seemed like people even got more excited for things they necessarily wouldn't have been in the past just because right. of DVDs. Right. Uh, anyways, I got there and the kid working had no idea what I was talking about. It's like <laughs> it was a big celebration. I came in. Where's Where's uh, Terror Train on DVD? Are y'all sold out? And he, what? <laughs> just staring at me. And then he went over and found one that had already been shoved in sideways, just in the alphabetical order. There, they only had one. I was like, well. I will go ring this up and leave. <laughs> Thank you. But guys, that's how it used to be, though, man. When you knew a movie was coming out, I remember I got in trouble many a nights because the wife <laughs> at midnight, I would drag the wife out to Meyer or someplace where they put movies out at midnight on Monday nights, and I drug her out to get the three disc limited ten edition of the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember doing that exact same thing. I was like, they're going to be out. I bet they don't get a bunch of these. It's a limited edition. And sure enough, we got out there. Not the only guy out there waiting on this movie. Uh, I'm the only guy out there waiting on movies, you know, yeah. like at midnight. They're just like, well, I'm out. Needless to say, it was an underwhelming experience, but exciting <laughs> to finally see the movie. Right on. Totally. I think that I got it through either Blockbuster or Netflix. That's that's what I was trying to say, not YouTube. Right. Uh, I got it through one of those two. Um, so yeah, so I, I got it. I liked it, uh, and I just think it just doesn't get talked about much, in my opinion. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. So now we're talking about it. Good All choice. right. Good choice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, opening thoughts, Mad Chan. I, I I don't think we've ever really talked about this film. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say or what you think um like you just want me to get straight into it yeah dig it it's friday the 13th on a train to some extent no that's yes. no that's what it is that's how they sold it that's how they sold the movie yeah. it's friday the 13th on a train the score is definitely a ripoff yeah oh okay no and that's that, that was shrieking. the thing at the time the, the jennifer or, sorry roger spot is wood it was daniel grodnick actually uh, i read the story the other day they literally he wanted to do a movie he wanted to do a slasher movie and it was watching while watching friday the 13th and stuff he was just like let's do this on a train and that's how he sold it and that's how it got made well i'll be well as part of that initial boom yeah, yeah all yeah. the success from halloween everybody's looking at how can we cash in by not spending a lot of money um my initial thoughts on this is unique i like it yeah it's a fun movie right on yeah yeah and i think um you're right. It definitely takes, and this is what it put me in the mind of, Friday the 13th. We're going to put young people someplace where there aren't adults. Camp. Right. Mm-hmm. Terror train. We're going to take young people and put them someplace where there's not many adults, besides right. like the conductor. Someplace that you can't escape from. Exactly. You, you've, you've ran them up the tree, now you got to, how are we going to get them out? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so we start with terror train. Um, it's, uh, they're at a frat party. Yes. And uh, there you've got some medical students there and they want to play a prank. It always starts with a prank. Always starts with a prank. <laughs> Kids, don't play pranks on anybody. Especially ever. if you're dumbass college students. Yeah. If you're smart college students, do what you want. Yeah, sure. Give it a shot. <laughs> so they go to play a prank on one of the pledges and uh, there's a dead body. Yep. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is part of the setup. She She's hiding and it's her voice. So Kiss me. Yeah, he thinks it's her in the bed waiting on him. Gets in the bed, finds this hacked up dead body, freaks out. End scene. <laughs> so, freaks out. He spins around like David Bowie on stage, wrapping himself up in the sheets. And it's screaming really <laughs> oddly. <laughs> like, freaked out is mild. You're like, he freaked out. Like, I freaked out when I saw a mouse one day because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. I wasn't wearing shoes when I was little. This dude, this dude had a conniption, man. <laughs> You know what? You're right. I did not give that proper justice. Thank you for clarifying. I'm sorry. I just called him as I see them. Yeah. So um, they get uh, the. We find out later that the freshmen who were part of that prank are now seniors. Yep. And they're uh, they're on this train to have their big final party of the year. 
No, so is it just the frats and invited guests? Like, I, do, I was, because they wear the frat jackets and the frat, it was in the frat house, but there seemed to be a lot of kids on that train. Well, fraternities are pretty big. Yeah, it's a bigger school. Yeah. Oh, right, like, because there was a large amount of people on that train, plus oh, yeah. women, so. Yeah, I mean, if you, I'd, I'd say a fraternity here at Ball State, uh, probably your average one's probably got at least 100 guys. Oh, really? I didn't realize they were that big, because yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a. That kind of college, man. I was never in a fraternity. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because, see, you always see movies, and there's always, like, seven guys in a frat. You know, there's always, They're like, seven to ten guys, guys in a frat. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, this is nuts, and that's spanky, and this is the way we <laughs> <laughs> Those are real names, by the way. Flounder. <laughs> Bluto. They took the bar. The whole fucking bar. <laughs> Why flounder? Why the hell not? <laughs> So, yeah, so, um, yeah, the freshmen are now seniors, their big final party, they're on right. the terrain, and uh, people start dying one by one. Yeah. Imagine that. Can you guess who might be the ones dying? <laughs> that might be before your very eyes. <laughs> Could it be the people that were involved in the prank? The people involved with the prank, can you believe that? Right. Yeah. So, it's it's your classic revenge tale um you know years later sort of thing i mean we've seen this before oh of course we've seen it since <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing though it's um like we were talking about it's at it's right at that early age though it's it's right after halloween right after friday you know like it's right there yeah and they do a really good job of concealing the killer until the very end like because you you're, you're pretty sure it's the guy that they freaked out and played the prank on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know who he is. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And, and you get a thing. lot of other good cues, like other people that you you might think it's them. Right. Like David Copperfield. Like, yeah, they do a real good job of making him a red herring in that movie. Yeah, right? yeah. Like he's a jerk to everybody. He's but he's got a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis. Of course. As everybody does. And then like, you know, one of the frat guys, you know, he gets mad and he goes, I'll get you for that. I mean it this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, you want to talk about those frat guys. How creepy was Doc? Oh, yeah. Doc literally looks at him and goes, you know if she dumps you, you always have me, right? And the <laughs> dude kind of looks at him like, yeah, Doc, I got you. He goes, no, I mean it. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? We just saw both of your girlfriends. It was the early 80s. I know what was going Hopping on. I'm dollars just and GHB. <laughs> <laughs> little Spanish fly on the train. Right on. Um, I do have a few questions. Yeah. What was the purpose of leaving the dead body in the bathroom just to come back and replace it? Was mm. he just not to that point in his plan yet? And did he count on the captain? I mean, because if the captain had never found it, was he still going to go back and clean it up? That's a good question. So I just wondered about that. There's just a few little things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like, was that part of his plan to make the captain look crazy? You know, like, yeah, right. Because at one point you're like, is it is it somebody that works on the train? Like, I, I like that. Um, I also love the fact that the captain or the guy he stops the train and tries to get a hold of the situation. Like in movies now, we don't do that. They're like, a, when something messed up is going on, they'll let it run on until there's a reveal of the killer and right into Act Three. But in this movie, they're like, no, no, no. There's a killer on the train. Stop. You've all been warned. Everybody stay here. It's something that would actually happen. Like, this guy's genuinely feels for everybody's safety. Yeah. Everybody go outside while we search the train. So that was kind of different because you don't see that in movies today. And not only are they trapped on the train, they don't have a radio. They make that point very clear in the beginning. Like, I wish we had a radio on this train. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of setup in this movie. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's like, oh, why do they have the train without the radio? <laughs> this was that movie. Yeah. I do think in a lot of ways it's a more intelligent slasher film. Um in the sense of it relies more on on almost in the vein of like Murder on the Orient Express and Agatha Christie's story with, you know, the who's the killer on the train. Right. It doesn't rely on gratuitous, you know, the usual things that we see in those films, whether it be sex or drugs. I mean, it certainly has its elements, right. but it's very driven on not letting you know who the killer is. And kind of keeping you guessing as opposed to just exploiting, you know, bodies being ripped apart like you saw from most movies at that time that were being laid out. So in that, I don't, I don't know, it's just there's a lot of things about it that it, this is its own film. I mean, even even down to the outfits, 
there's just some weird costumes these yeah, kids pick for absolutely. college kids. You know, it's like, absolutely. They're not the normal the things that people are putting on for college kids at a right. costume party. I like the girl with the pants up. Yeah, with the that hands. Was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. But yeah, it's just weird. all these things about it that are just so different. I don't know if it's because it was Canadian or, or <laughs> what, but it's just it's just a little different. Maybe it is because I am Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the reveal, man? Like I, I don't want to don't want to give the reveal away. What would you think about that, man? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I think it was so well done. Kind of kind of let your mind drift back to like sleepaway camp a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you're watching this post sleepaway camp, but I'm talking at the time we didn't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because even in Friday the Thirteenth, you finally find out about Mrs. Voorhees being the killer, but we you weren't really sure the whole time, and Mrs. Voorhees wasn't a prominent character. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Right. They, they kind of put her there, and in Halloween, we knew Michael Myers was the killer. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So this was right around that time, prom night and things like that. Who is it? Who is it? We don't just want to tell you who it is, but we're going to show you who it is twice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. or several times. You know, right? Because prom night, they flat out tell you, you'd like, this is who, you know who the killer is. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's the same thing with this. They don't overtly say who the killer is, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you all, you already yeah. got. It. But you don't know how well they're hiding in plain sight. Yeah, that's it's kind of awesome. It's one ugly assistant, though. <laughs> don't care about spoiling. Just oh, saying. You didn't try to holler. No. <laughs> it's like most most uh, assistants to the magicians are usually supposed to be, you know, like the girls that walk around the ring with the cards to divert your attention a little bit with the right. beauty. Not, Not this there. No, nah. <laughs> looks like one of the Torkelsons. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our first Torkelson's reference on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure not our last. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, uh, I love it. I, I think it's, it's unoriginally original. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, I think it's, it's so well done. I think it's a lot of fun. And I, the train does lend a lot to that. I mean, I just watched, um, you think of train movies, you were talking about different ones, but like the other day I watched Darjeeling Limited, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. And it's just, um. There's something magical about the movie because they're on this train. Going I love through train movies. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's cool. I mean, I think you add a train to a movie and you tell the story well. Right. It can really add a, 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 a dynamic to the movie. Like planes, trains, and automobiles? <laughs> that is rather limited, but yes. <laughs> I have an admission to make. Oh, uh, no. You've never seen planes, trains, and automobiles? I am one of you know five people on this planet that have never seen planes and i am disgruntled now (laughs) that's because they showed it on they showed it like on channel seven on saturday afternoon every day for five years oh man we gotta do something about that yeah like Um, quick we have it's time for a non-horror movie night in your life (laughs) oh and okay so planes trains and automobile um horror express uh hammer horror film yeah that was good but yeah, the, the train movies are great, and, I, and that's part of Throw Mama that, from the Train. Absolutely. Yeah, where that fascination came from for me <laughs> was when I was looking at that horror encyclopedia, I had just ridden across the country in a train to L.A. Oh, my okay. My dad on vacation. Oh, wow. And so it was just great. I loved train movies. I mean, there's old Sherlock Holmes movies that were set on trains. Shit's tight. Oh, yeah. No way around it. Yeah. Heard that. Heard that. Of course you heard that. He's sitting right there. <laughs> of course you heard that. Did, oh, you, did hear you hear that? Did you hear that? Um, I do love, Professor and I were talking about this earlier, I did want to point out real quick that this is just, this is one of five horror slash suspense films that Jamie Lee Curtis was in in a three year span, starting with Halloween in 78, she did The Fog in 80, Prom Night in 80, uh, Road Games, and then Halloween 2 in 81, as well, along with this film, and that's like before she even walked into this, she was already a scream queen, and quote unquote scream queen, trading yeah. places, no time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's quite a run. You've that's seen true. Trading Places, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't check me. <laughs> Phone check. Um, I like the death of the antagonist at the end. I think it was a neat death scene. Nope. No? I dug it. Yeah. Did you really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because I guess we're spoiling it. Like, really? He just flings himself out the window and, and rolls down the river? Yeah. Like, the whole time he did that, I was just like, I thought it looked Whoa. pretty rad when he, when he hit. Yeah, I give you that. That always gets me. It's, it, it looked pretty gnarly when mm-hmm. he hit. I know. I, I do give you that, but I mean seriously, I was like, he threw himself out of a moving train, landed, happened to land in a creek to float down the river. They were like, they planned that shot out months in advance. They were like, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be amazing. I wish you didn't hate the movie. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Dad is very upset. Yes. I just want to point out too, the director did Turner and Hooch, 
<laughs> and a James Bond movie as well. Later what on. Bond movie? Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Like the the new Tomorrow Never Dies? Like the one that came out a few years ago? Not like like a decade ago? Yeah. Is it, I didn't know I, if that was one of the earlier know, you, films. You might you have, you have to fact check that. I oh, just okay. jotted it down. I oh, that's awesome though, man. Was that was that one of the Brosnan ones or was that a Daniel Craig one? That's yeah, a Brosnan. This was, yeah, this that's a Brosnan. That's what I was asking. Right? I didn't know if Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies if that was one of the earlier James Bond because you know they go back no, and remake them. It is one of the more. Yeah, that's a Brosnan one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll Word. be. All right. Anything else to say about Terror Train? Uh, no, I love Turner it? and Hooch. I want to put that out there. <laughs> this, so unlike Turner and Hooch, has rewatchability. That's true. So wait, I don't like Terror Train. You guys don't like Turner and Hooch? Is that is that just because I don't like Terror Train? No, I, I like love Turner. Terror Train, oh. especially that chick in the black. No, I I like Turner and Hooch. It's just not something you want to put on every day. It's true. It's had to kill the fucking dog. I know, man. I don't do dog movies. <laughs> no Molly and me for you. Nope. Whatever. Name's Marley. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> you don't do dog movies. Excuse me, right? I need to go pop some Marley. <laughs> go ahead, go pop a Marley. Marley would be, read a book sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Forget you guys. All right, uh, moving right along. I think Mad Chan, we're going to go with your pick next. <laughs> All right, I picked Near Dark. Near Dark as was made in 1987, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Yes, that Catherine Bigelow. And written by Catherine Bigelow and Eric Reed, starring Adrian uh, Pazdar. From he was in uh, he Heroes. later was in Heroes. Yeah, um, Jenny Wright. She was in Saint Almost Fire. You don't get it. I don't care. <laughs> then the Lance Henriksen, <laughs> Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein, all from Aliens. And uh, Joshua John Miller, who was my favorite creepy kid of the 80s. I love that kid. Oh, yeah. He was great. He, he was one of them. The other kid from the Nightmare movies. The little, mm-hmm. he, was, he was the other one. Yeah. Music by Tangerine Dream. Like, yep. uh, like in the keep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, the reason I chose this movie is it's, man, it's a, it's a vampire movie, but it's more like a Western. Like, I really love this movie because they're just badass. Like, the... Um, and earlier when I said the Catherine Bigelow, I wanted to point that out. I'm talking about Oscar award-winning director of The Hurt Locker. Oh. Like, she made this, this in 1987, she made this vampire movie. Former wife. Yep. Did you know that? It's uh, interesting. Just... Sister to Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> Sister to Deuce Bigelow. And cousin to Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> Catherine Bigelow, European gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> So why did you so so that, that that's what you love about it? That's I love it because it's a it's it's a vampire movie, but it's got that modern day western feel, like to the point where like they're even it's set in Texas. I, there's even horse riding, six shooters, like everything about that movie was in and this the scenes themselves. Yeah, like here I'll let you guys go ahead and talk about it a little bit. I've got some things on this one. I enjoy this movie a lot. I love this movie. It's cool. in my top five favorite vampire movies. It may be number one. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge vampire movie guy, so right I, on. I don't have a lot that I like, but I love this movie. Uh, it's dirty. I mean, Oh, it's gritty. They're jerks. I mean, and like, Asshole, I love dude. how um, Adrian, is that his name? Adrian Pazdor. Yeah. I love how he becomes a vampire and no one explains to him what the fuck is going on. <laughs> well, did, yeah. did you notice in the movie they never used the word vampire once? Oh, that's true. Nobody that's ever does. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I love that this kid is like terrified and like they they're mad that she saved him or mad that she turned him and saved him. Right. So I mean I can understand how they're mad at him, but like not even her, the one who likes him, is not like, well, here's the thing: sunlight hurts, you need to drink blood. But like they're yeah. just like like go kill now, yeah. you do this, and then he's like stumble through everything. He's like I don't know what's happening. That's what I, that's why I picture me being turned into a vampire would be like. Right. Well, see, that's one of the things I liked about it because they trust that the audience is smart enough to figure out what's going. on. Yeah. It, like nowadays, they would beat you upside the head with it. Yeah. Like, what am I? Yeah. Like, Twilight. What am I? Tell me. Like, we all know he's a vampire. You know, it's like, what am I? And they had to make sure she says it. Yeah. You know, like they just beat you over the head with things now. Like, I'm the killer. Say you know that. You know, it's like in this this movie it was just like we don't need that. We got other stuff to do. Yeah. There's people to kill. Like, I really enjoyed that. Professor, I had never seen this before. Really oh, awesome. Yeah. Hey, what do um, you think? My love is not as deep as your guys's, cool. but I did really like it. I, I I don't know if it just has to do with not having seen it back then and over the years, or adjusting to kind of what the film was. 
by the time I had it was almost over. Right. Um, I dug it. Like I actually had already bought it used um, in recent months. So I had it just chilling, waiting to watch anyway. So it worked out nicely when Mad Chance selected it. But yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I wouldn't put it up there as high for me. Yeah. But I think maybe with repeat viewings that might change. Yeah. So it was one, it was a, I don't know. It's just different. Well, it's interesting that you say like by the time you like got into it, it was already over. It's very fast paced. Oh, mm-hmm. very, very. It, it really doesn't waste any time. No, There's not, not much dead time. It's, it, and it's like scene, 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 scene. Like they don't linger very long. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, about the longest you get, I mean, honestly, that bar scene. Yeah, but that's the thing. That bar scene goes right back to back. Yeah. With the shootout scene. Yeah. I in, did in, the ho- in the in love the hotel room. Yeah. Like like they're just all right. This one was long and drawn out. This one's quick and to the point, and they're both badass scenes. Yeah. Um, I've got to say that this is Bill Paxton's finest performance. <laughs> you know what? I might have to give that to you. I mean, he and I've seen that that movie he did where he's a. Is a Mormon or whatever. That, that show he does. Show. That TV show. <laughs> and that's a great show. No, it was. But, it was he but did everything else, Bill Paxton plays Bill Paxton. Yeah. Clearly, you guys haven't seen Weird Science, but keep going. <laughs> okay. I can see Bill. No. no, come on. You can't tell me that a 20 something year old Bill Paxton would walk in and be like, hey, shithead. <laughs> that's the kind of guy, especially after you see aliens. You're like, that is no, Bill No, I, I feel what you're saying, though. He's very. It feels like he just, like, let the restraints off the chains are loose yeah, it's just exactly he's just letting it flow yeah like i i think playing a jerk suits him well mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to do that very often except weird science you know? <laughs> but, like, but that's why he's good in weird yeah, science he was, he was good as chat man yeah. we liked him like that. um so and he's got great one-liners i mean the movie's full of great one-liners yeah but paxton's <laughs> when the little girl comes in and she goes you guys are up late <laughs> We keep odd hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it so was good. great. Oh, man. When he's like got that blood, he licks his fingers. He's like, it's finger licking good. <laughs> and you have to wonder how much of that was scripted. Bill Paxton, right. like, can I say some dumb shit? Right, right exactly. And <laughs> because his character is such a jerk, you're like, he would say something dumb like that. Like the scene in the bar where he's showing Adrian Pastard that it doesn't get it doesn't get hurt him to get beat up, and then how what he can do physically. Yeah. Dude, and then when he gets shot, he just, he just rams his head down there like, ooh. Ain't that a kick? <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing, dude. I give that to you, man. Oh, man this is, this awesome may be Paxton's best performance. Yeah, like. dude. And I love the <laughs> I, fact that they were more outlawed than vampires. I keep saying Western, but that's what it is. Yeah. They're more like outlaws. Yep. They're, they're drifting around to survive. You remember that fire in Chicago? Dude. The best line is if you don't get it, if you don't get it, you don't get it. It's not for you, but Mm -hmm. that was a great line. Yeah, man. That's one of my favorite things about vampire stories and movies is when they reference, like, like when he says, I fought for the South. Yeah. Like, you know, just going back, like just showing that they've been around a long time, but it's always so casual in movies when they do it. I love that. Like, he just instantly tells a deeper story. Yeah. It's just one sentence. Well, and it's interesting, too. You you mentioned the outlaw factor about it. That's interesting about this film because, you know, we enter so many vampire movies where the vampire is established. They've stayed in one community. They've figured out how to hide. They've figured out their network, and they're established. Now, they have points where they're on the run, like Interview with the Vampire. I really like that movie. But you right. get the point where, I mean, they, they do set roots sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Then something happens, and they have to move on. But, like, these people never stop moving. Yeah. Right. They, they move every day. Yeah. Which kind of, in a sense makes it a, a scary angle on being the vampire. Yes. It's like you never know what's tomorrow. Right. As opposed to being bitten by the vampire. It's, this is a scary situation. Right. And I'm watching this and I'm like, you guys didn't have good organizational skills when you were normal humans, did you? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, their whole, like, they just tear shit up and leave. Tear yeah. shit up and leave. <laughs> I love the fact they walk into that bar during the bar scene and the little kid orders tequila. And that woman never says anything to I know, him. right? He's like, tequila. They're like, all right. Tequila. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and the glass. Oh, man, just, just, that's a, I'm sorry. I really enjoy that, that whole bar scene. Cause like you said, Love Pax, the bar scene. Paxton's going off. He's trying, like, look, you don't got to be this way. And then he's making fun of everybody. And then death starts happening. The spurs to the bartender's oh, neck. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Woo! That was badass and that little kid just dancing on the bar like a weirdo mm-hmm. <laughs> little kid kind of creepy he was creepy he was creepy <laughs> he did his job though didn't he? exactly exactly uh, that's what i had um i hated 
the fact that a blood transfusion could make you not a vampire. <laughs> See, anymore. I actually made a note that I thought that was interesting. Like the, they're modernizing and kind of, pardon the word, revamping. The, <laughs> yeah, there's a pun. You know, doing that in the sense of, you know, we kind of have like this Western style to it and just right. this different angle and feel. It's very stylish. So I didn't have a problem with that. I, it was, you know, just kind of going along the following suit with this different kind of movie. So See, it, it was, added an element to it. I, I, I kind of understood his because he wasn't really fully and he hadn't he hadn't really fed yet. Yeah. Like, like killed his own and, you know, tracked down and fed. So when they did him that way, I was just like. Okay, you know, I can, I'll, I'll do that. But the fact that she had been a vampire for a long time and they were just like, no, no, look, we're going to switch your blood out and that's going to make your fangs go away and everything. That, that to me was a little much. But at the same time, I, did, I liked the rest of the movie so much, I really didn't care. Yeah. It was just so they could have the happily ever after walk off into the sunrise moment, yeah. you know? Well, if it had been more of a traditional vampire film, I would have had a big problem with it. Okay, yeah. It was the fact that I'd kind of suspended my usual expectations awesome. that, I don't know. Just kind of kept going with it. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, one thing that did piss me off, though, it, I have to put this out there. It wasn't any of their fault um, because the, it wasn't even the movie. It was the the re-release of this movie had the damn Twilight cover. Mm. Have you seen the Twilight cover? No. It's like the four of them standing over here, and then Adrian Pastar's head, like J, like um, what's his name, the the lead vampire from the Twilight, and then the girl underneath him. Like it looked like a damn Twilight cover. Like they and he's they have him all paled out blue, almost sparkling on the damn cover. Week. Like whereas the other one had just the rainbow color, the rainbow cover, or you had um, Bill Paxton with the half burn off face. Yeah. Was there any titles in the Twilight movies that would have put that on the shelf near it? I think so because that's when it came back out. Yeah, I think man. they were buying maybe, up all the. I vampires. wonder if if maybe they, yeah, they thought what the hell vampire, they might stumble across it. They were just like, oh, vampire movie, let's put this out right now. Let's take a, let's take all of our vampire titles and just put them where we release nope. them because it did. It had that yeah, damn did, Twilight though. cover. I never saw it. I didn't think. Oh, dude, I've got the Blu-ray and the DVD, and they both have the cover. That's weird. Huh. Right on. Any other thoughts on the movie? Uh, I just was going to mention what we mentioned earlier before recording, that the three of them were in Aliens together. Yeah. Which I is kind of fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bean from uh, Aliens was actually, I guess, offered the Adrian Pastor part, the, the Caleb role, and he turned it down. Really? I don't know that. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I read that. I mean, but it would make sense because she was married to James Cameron. James Cameron said, I just did Alien. I have a cast that you could drop right into your movie. Boy, did they ever drop right in. Yeah. Just to say that couldn't have led Michael Bean onto the Titanic. <laughs> Talking to Rose about her memories. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Go ahead, Rose. One one thing I did find interesting too, I forgot to mention earlier, is uh, you get to see their different hunting methods. Yeah, they yeah. They split yeah. up, they hunt differently, and they all do different things. It's kind of like in the bar when like they kill those people one by one. Yeah. Like Bill Paxton takes it over, but then Jesse stands up, and then old girl comes up from the back, and then Jenny Wright's character she goes over and dance with me, and you know, like it was just like we want to give everybody a, a moment to shine. Yeah. Right. And then yeah, the, could you be? Could you imagine being the guy in the bar who escapes? <laughs> um, <laughs> how scared would you be sitting there watching all that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd have made it out the window, bro. I'm I'm just being completely honest with you. At that point, I think fear would have set in, like the the impending doom and death. Yeah, because you've seen everybody else die. See, I would have turned on the other innocent people in there and tried to help them. Just to, because it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really they, established. I'd trick them into thinking I was part of their group. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, we do keep on ours. <laughs> like, out of nowhere, you just pull the six shooter from your bag and be like, I'll kill him for you, Jesse. I'll kill him good. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> right on. Oh, man. Um, uh, but yeah, the, my last thing was I don't believe at any stretch of the imagination that they would have killed themselves at the end. I just don't. They were they were nomads, and they've been nomads for so long. He since the Civil War, at least. Right. I just don't see them. I just don't see him driving into the sun because of Adrian Pastor, because of the Caleb character. I see him going fuck you, wait till sundown, and then we're gonna drive off tonight. Like that's just my only thing because they were such badasses for so long. I think is we needed a nice neat wrap up where all the vampires are gone, so they can live their lives. Mm-hmm. That was just the one thing. I just didn't see them driving into the sun right at the end. Yeah. Like, she grabs his hand and said, we had some good times, and that's it. 
he drives into the sun after he's he spent so long protecting himself right enjoying his life as a vampire nah bullshit yeah. posture yeah yeah well maybe he did enjoy his life he did <laughs> you, see, you see when he put that that mug underneath that chick's neck and bled her dry yeah that was pretty nuts that's what i'm saying he enjoyed that yep <laughs> maybe deep down he didn't you don't know that man's heart <laughs> i know that man that's lance hendrickson i've met that man a few times i know what's in his heart <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts about Near Dark? Uh, I just loved it. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, it's. I think it's one I'll grow to like more and more. Yeah, it's just a very intimidating reputation. So yeah. many people love that movie so deeply. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't. Uh, couldn't recommend it more. I think it's it's. Yeah. All right, wrapping up with. Near Dark. Oh, we were just wrapping near dark. I'm sorry. I see where you were going. You were leading into the third movie. You folks, I haven't had a drink tonight. <laughs> Mad Chan is operating at full sobriety, and it's a little tough for you. It really is, if you can't tell. Uh, no, that's the professor's pick. The Prowler. You Might, wanna, will you give us those things? Yeah, sure. Uh, 19- and this is about that Plymouth car, right? It is. It is. <laughs> no, uh, 1981, A one of my favorite slashers, uh, one that... I didn't know if we'd ever get to a uh, kind of a generic slasher episode to include, but it was one I wanted to rewatch. So that was my pick, directed by Joseph Zito, who also did Friday the 13th Part 4. Tom Savini and his wonderful work is in there. I wondered. There was a lot of Savini-ish things going on, (laughs) and I thought, this looks familiar. Yeah, Yeah, it's got a couple of old classic actors in there, Lawrence Tierney, which... Was in the movies for a long time, including the bartender in Silver Bullet, um, but also Farley Granger, who goes back to Hitchcock films like Rope, um, who oh, plays wow. the sheriff in this. So Tierney was also uh, one of his later roles was Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Dogs yep. 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 Um, so what yeah, it's mean, just you know, uh, one of my favorite non-franchised slasher films. So yeah, one to watch it. Okay. Go ahead, Grace. Well, I, I know it's coming. <laughs> well, I didn't love it. <laughs> I remember it's one of my favorite things ever. I, this, I was at a bar once with a friend of mine and told me, oh, you got to get this beer. It's a great beer. It's a great beer. Uh, Ardry, Mad Chan. I was like, I oh, you got to get it. You got to get this Ardry. And he gets it. He takes a big drink and he has this unsettled look on his face. I go, what do you, what do you think? And he was like, well, I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Twist the knife and let's go. <laughs> I, uh, when you recommended this film, um, I thought I had seen it before and didn't remember being much moved by it. Um, and watched it again and did confirm that just not, I don't know, just, just something about it. I don't know. Something, something about it just doesn't work for I'm me. I'm kind of shocked, but cool. Yeah. Something about it just doesn't work for me. Um, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. There's great kills. I mean, thanks to the Savini work. Uh, some really good kills. Some really, I mean, really gory kills. Um, but I just can't get into it. I bet I know why. Why is that? Because it doesn't have the camp and the, the fun to it, which is part of the reason I like it so much. This is a very mean movie. Yeah. It's very mean-spirited. It's dark. And I don't I, like mean. Yeah, see, and I, <laughs> and I like... As we do the horror podcast. I don't like mean. I think... The killer looks badass for starters. He does. That I will give the you black that. Out, <laughs> yeah. right on, it has some of my favorite cover art with him holding the girl from behind. The kills are brutal. I mean, like they still hold up. Like a lot of those slashers, even something like Friday the Thirteenth, when you're watching Bacon's Neck and you can clearly see the color difference. Yeah. I mean, it's still great, but like to me, these still still look real. Um, I like the setting with recreating this murder from a certain period uh-huh. and, and, and it's basically creating a vehicle, an excuse to have this world war two get up on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I liked it for a change that a slasher doesn't have the up-tempo happy banjo plucking and the kids, you know, getting blown and, and partying and, and screwing left and right. And it being the typical thing to me, this just kind of veered off, by itself um and like e- even the scene where uh i don't know if you remember this the they're getting ready you got the kids getting ready for their dance right. and then you have the killer getting ready yeah 
I mean, that's, there's just all the, to me, just these badass things. And, and I don't know, it's just different. That's why it stands out for me. And I like it so much. Um, I, I would be even so as bold to say that this might be my favorite slasher outside of big franchise ones. Wow. Like standalone, like this and the burning. Those two right just kind of. Do you like this me. better than Terror Train? Yes. Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like your pick better than my pick? Why? Let's see. You're just an ass. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, sometimes we're going to make choices because it's just something we want to see that we haven't. Yeah. yeah. No, I got um, you. This was one that I wanted to watch. Oh, no, no, and I'm glad. There might be some listeners who haven't heard of it or might like it. Yeah. want to check it out. That's well, really I'm glad my you did. I'm glad, I'm glad I watched it again. <laughs> I mean, if not to confirm that I'm not that big of a fan of it. Yeah, which is uh, fine. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of the things in this, you were talking about how good it looks and how good the kills are. As a lot of this was actually, from what I understand, I don't know, like I haven't, heard any of this but just from different panels and things and reading up on it um a lot of the effects were done very very practically like mm -hmm. the shotgun was actually just shotgun blast to her to a fake head you know and then um actual like the girl getting kicked in the face just like it wasn't a real person it was a rubber foot but i mean like you know like he'd done that to her like 18 19 times um, Savini went all out, you know, like that's the, the machete scene, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time that I saw that gag. And if you look in Savini's books, his, mm -hmm. uh, his illusion books, uh, it, it's featured in there prominently. Like it, the it's some underground cool. release. They have some of his excerpt footage that you'll mm -hmm. have on random movies. Right where on. He provides it. And it's really cool to watch it. Because you had the, the two scenes that stood out for me is that one yep. where it comes out through the chin. Yeah. And the way that they have the face and head moving uh, while they're doing that. And then the scene with uh, <clears throat> the knife through the neck in the pool, mm -hmm. like that, like it actually, I, like for a second, I was like, that poor woman, that's going to help her. <laughs> I help that girl. Now, yeah. I, I will say, uh, in fairness, one thing that I can see would totally be rough for a lot of viewers and even me at, at points is that there's very slow or quiet periods of the film, which is kind of also, you know, pros and cons being different from an average slasher. I have to recognize that it does suffer from that it's kind of a refreshing change to me in a sense of not hearing a girl scream for literally the last 20 minutes of the movie right, right. um it's just it's different so i think for anybody interested it's worth checking out if nothing else for those reasons yeah and totally that's where like a texas chainsaw massacre or something really gets you like what you just said is you you're holding in suspense you're holding in the suspense of what's going on like because it's not that like sally's running through the woods and getting chased by a chainsaw and so you've got that going you've got her screaming you've got leaves rustling where this is more methodic stalking movie you know mm -hmm. like so it really creates more of tension there like texas chainsaw movies like that are meant to put you in a panic these slasher movies are meant to they're meant to have you gasping for air like holding your breath until something happens yeah like is he around this corner let's take it let's walk over here really slow and move a curtain or you know just things like that there was a lot of really good setup in the earlier ones and the cheesy the, the quote unquote i have to do that the the cheesy part of it, like the long buildup to the long walk across the room, those things, people now, they don't take the time to do that kind of buildup. Or yeah. not everybody, but a lot right. of filmmakers don't take the time to give you that buildup. And I think that's why movies like this one were so great. They were oriented on special effects. The special mm -hmm. effects wasn't a budget later. Who can we throw in this? Because I'm sorry, you named the two people. And like I said, I'm not a big Hitchcock fan. I didn't know the gentleman, but I'm just saying like everybody else on there, I don't know their name. Oh, yeah, it's a relatively unrecognizable cast. And even with a lot of these slashers, you can go back and find people who went on to have careers who are even, like, at least, like, the entry level right, tier. Right, right. They're not even in this. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to recognize people besides those two for the most part. See, and that's the thing, like I said, I didn't really know I didn't really know a lot of that work. And uh, so, yeah, that was what was different to me is, like, because uh, you don't know these people. When you see... Kevin Bacon, who we knew later, but not at the time. When you see Kevin Bacon getting an arrow through the neck, it's Kevin Bacon getting an arrow through the neck. It's fun. It's a cool effect. But when there's a bunch of people you don't know, like you said, you have no prior attachment to who this girl is. It was you didn't see the yeah. six months of build up hype mm -hmm. about this. She's getting ready to come out, and you didn't see 15 different trailers showing 30 kills 15 different ways. Like back then, it was like no. Here's your one creepy trailer, and you go, no faces in it. So when a girl gets stabbed in the neck, it looks good because yeah. Savini put a lot into it. You don't know the girl, so you don't already feel you know, an attachment to her.
Yeah, I kind of I kind of naturally have this relationship between this movie and uh, Maniac from back in that time period. Oh, right Savini on. just kind of did these dark, unflinching films, and and this just fits into that. Um, I like the backstory some and leaving the rose with the victims. There's just some creepy stuff to it. Uh, the replacement in the coffin. Yeah, I mean it's just it's a mean spirited movie. Yeah. Can we spoil who the yeah, killer go is? For it. Why was the sheriff the killer? That's the only thing I can't figure out, what the direct relation is. Okay, I'm glad yeah. that I'm not the only one. I was like, I'm an idiot, I missed we, something. Yeah. Other, you, you folks, we've been asking that question a lot here lately yeah. about different these different <laughs> I, movies we go Every back time to. I watch it, I sit and I'll, and I'll try and figure out like like what spawned him years later to recreate this murder other than did he just want to murder? And I may have already forgotten it. I mean, it, it definitely isn't a driving part of the film. Okay. Like, yeah, and I think that's another reason why the, the, the film doesn't sit well with me. I'm like, what's the motive? But it could be sticking with that very dark theme that there is no motive. Yeah. He just, He's just obsessed with a murder that happened before and is yeah. really great. It. Like, I just love to kill. Yeah, it's like, you, I don't care you don't about that. making money. I just love to sell guns. <laughs> you don't have that Harry Warden type. I need to. Need, this mm-hmm. needs to be done for this reason. Right. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, it's it's Valentine's Day again. I've got, you know, you don't have that. And yeah, that's just another thing that makes it creepy. Yeah. I respect, too, that it just feels like it always takes this crap kind of serious. A lot of slashers from that period don't. And I feel like this one, they never wanted to be laughed at. I don't know. They put themselves out there. It's cool. Yeah. Because well, they put obviously put a lot into it. I, yeah. I agree with you. And do we ever find out why Chatham is outside of his house? Yeah, well, I don't. The guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> right. uh, what is he doing wandering around? He's an old man. Just keeping an eye on things. <laughs> I'm pulling out cards in your house here. He's, he's a peacemaker. No. <laughs> yes. This man in the wheelchair is outside. What the hell? Throw the whole film out. Throw the baby out with the <laughs> that, that You know what? I could buy a, a killer in a World War II outfit. Man in a wheelchair outside his house? Not buying it. Nosy old man. <laughs> <laughs> I like when that one girl gives him flash. Yeah, kind of yeah, I loved it. Hey, I will tell you one thing I did like. Um, that scene where she sees his shadow. Mm-hmm. That was creepy. Because it's a very definitive shadow of this uniform, yeah. the helmet. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. So, it's yeah, definitely the, got some cool moments like yeah, that. Yeah, totally, totally. Very menacing looking. Right, right. So I would definitely recommend people see this movie. Yeah. For sure. For not sure. for everybody. It's not. It's not for me. Uh, I probably won't buy it on DVD. But at the same time, I think people should see it. I think. I mean, there's enough buzz around. There's enough people who like it. I think that it's it's significant. Yeah, well, I'm with that. I, I mean, I second that. All right. Well, anything further to say about the Prowler? No, no. Just glad we got a chance to cover it and talk about it. And I hope if any listeners haven't seen it, they'll check it out. All right. Especially if they're interested in slashers. Very good. So, uh, well, we go call to wrap on this one. I think we can. Anything left to say about any of the films? Like, yeah. You guys do not understand. Near Dark is amazing. <laughs> I should win, folks. Call in and vote. I want you to email us and vote. <laughs> um, <I'm sorry. laughs> hey, I do want to say right now, as I'm looking at it, uh, we have recorded tonight's episode on a new sound mixer. And I only bring that up because my good friends at Jay County Pawnbrokers Hooked me up with this mixer. Thank you. Yeah, how <laughs> how broke are we? <laughs> <laughs> My friends at the Jay County Pawn Brokers <laughs> done hooked us up with a mixer, and I got this here microphone 10 years ago when I saw this band, and I stole it. <laughs> so if the if the show sounded great tonight, that's why. I just want to say thanks to our friends who, uh, who gave me a hell of a deal. Our friends where? Mixer. The Jay County Pawn Brokers in Portland, Indiana. Home of the dollar. Hey, hey, hey no more. Man. They pay for the rest, dude. They pay for the Home of the dollar DVD. <laughs> Where we bought several DVDs. We bought, you know, no, I, we, I patronized this place <laughs> several it, times. It's dope, ain't it? It's, it's there. And I, it, oh, and the $3 Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Can't leave that one out either. $7 season. <laughs> they won. The $300 Beats on here. All right. Very good. Oh, that is where my Beats came from was there, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You forgot about Dre. I did. <laughs> God, that was dumb. That was, that was great. That was great. Sorry. <laughs> we keep odd hours. <laughs> this is a fun episode, though. I, I enjoyed I did, watching yeah. all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I hope you all aren't disappointed that we didn't ramble on past an hour. This is a shorter episode, but I think we, we said we were This is a drive-to-work episode, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Say what? We got all our mics on, unlike the start of the Collector episode that aired <laughs> recently. First 15 minutes, two of the three mics aren't on, but you can still hear us. Right on, right on. Um, I do want to throw a do want to throw a little thing out. Uh, leave us a mess, leave us a comment on iTunes um, if you feel so inclined. We're not going to beg for it. Um, if you're enjoying what we do? Just leave us a leave us a thing on iTunes. You know, we do this show for free, so you need to download. You need to get our movie. <laughs> Uh, no, no. There. Folks, folks, we, we appreciate every single one of you guys and all you guys that subscribe but yeah leave us leave us a message we want to hear from you uh look us up on the facebooks if you haven't already done so and follow yep. us on the twitters uh, midwest monsters podcast you can find us anywhere on there yeah please rate us on itunes um i think you know for, i don't know it's very weird itunes is odd um you got if you get ratings and then like you get stars and then like it boosts your exposure a little bit. So mm-hmm. if you want people to know about this podcast as we do, uh, please rate it. Um, yeah, just yeah, so if we you don't just, hate us. Yeah, us. right. Yeah, even if you hate us, go give us a one. I don't yeah. care. Just uh, we want to hear the bad. We want to hear the bad shit as well as the good. Absolutely, very good. And yeah, also, this will I'll be we'll be airing this uh, March fifteenth. So we'll have a con coming up the next weekend. So yes. keep an eye out for Horror Hound in Cincinnati, March 20, weekend of March 22nd, right? Right, and yeah. you will see, uh, you'll be able to find the Midwest Monsters because we will be the only ones there in Midwest Monsters gear. Wandering around, spending money. That's right, as we love to do. All right, so for the Midwest Monsters podcast, I'm one of your hosts, I'm Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my best buds, Matt Jan, Professor Wagstaff. All right, my friends, stay scary.